Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and get to meet some new friends to host inspiring but down-to-earth conversations with some of my favorite luminaries who are making good change. Today has got to be one of my favorite episodes of the year because if you've been on social media in the past year, chances are you've been sent a Jordan Firstman skit. From Banana Bread's publicist, to the guy who thinks life isn't that much different in quarantine, to the management team behind the fly that infamously tormented Mike Pence, Jordan Skits made our cringiest cliches and moments into something we could all laugh at together. But behind the Instagram fame, Jordan is a triple threat. He's an actor, writer, and producer who's worked on shows like Search Party and Big Mouth. And he's also written and starred in his own short called Call Your Father. So when it comes to Hollywood, Jordan is just getting started, and I truly can't wait to see what comes next for him. In this episode, Jordan talks to us about the road to becoming a multi-hyphenate in entertainment, the cost that comes with viral fame, and how he's ready for a second act that takes him off our phone screens and onto the silver screen. I hope you guys love this episode. I really loved getting to know Jordan off Instagram and in a much more personal way. If you haven't subscribed to the show and you find yourself coming back, take the time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps with growth, and I'd love to hear your insights. And if you love the show, share it with a friend. You guys know how much I love seeing when you guys are listening. So take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Liv Perez. And I always reshare as you guys are listening. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you guys. Have an amazing week. Here's my friend, Jordan Firstman. Hi. Hey. How are you? I am okay. Loving this background that you have. Thank you. Yeah, it's my, my Simpsons clouds. Oh, wow. This is like a wall painted in your house. Yeah, it's actually the entire room is painted clouds. It's a crazy room. (laughs) Obsessed. Who did that? This woman, um, Megan, who I met on Instagram. I think I like posted, can someone paint clouds in my room? And then she was like, maybe. (laughs) And then I was like, do it. Love. Love. That's a, what a risk. I, I tend to take, irresponsible risks and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. I hope you don't take this offensively, but like, I feel like that's on brand for you. Yeah. Yeah. I I sometimes wonder how much people can see, see of who I am through the social media platform. (laughs) I think a lot. So my listeners know that I like to do really weird research into my guests. And that's just something that like, you know, is my weird quirk. We were talking about your house earlier and like in, I want, just want to like start off by like the show just by saying that I go on Reddit, I search my guests' names. No. And I, <laughs> no. 
It's actually great, by the way. You shouldn't be afraid. Like I am this is great. Deeply afraid, but go. Are you? Did you yeah. know that there's? Did you know that there's a Reddit channel that's dedicated to people discussing ways to clean your like the fuzzy bed that you have? Oh my god, <laughs> that's so funny. No, I didn't, but I get DMs all the time. And what's even weirder, my friend, is that okay? This is this is how I know the universe is starting to click back into me. But this morning, so it's been on my mind since all people say it all the time. And I'm like, how low key, how am I going to clean that? Because it's another decision I made without thinking about, you know, the repercussions. I was like, I'm just going to get this, make this fur bed. Okay. Get like the cheapest material from Santi Alley. Quickly, quickly. Just describe the bed for listeners who might not know what we're talking about. Okay. So it's a tiered platform fur bed with a fur wall behind it. It's the chicest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's so funny because it it definitely looks really chic. And then the reality of it is so um, just like it's wood and I stapled a lot of fur to it or my someone else did. When I posted about it, that's when I saw people start to be like, wait, you're rich. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm actually like, you're kind of like, shooting a horse before it's dead, if that's a term. But I'm like, I do want to be rich, but I'm actually not right now. But now you're telling me that you're mad at me, that I'm rich, even though I'm not. But then what happens when I am rich? Are you going to be even more mad at me? Right. What a dilemma. I know. But so, yeah, I thought you would find it really interesting that there's a whole Reddit thread of people being like, how do you think they do it? Because I don't know if I don't know if they had like connected the dots. Someone had connected the dots that it was yours. It was definitely like pulled from a Pinterest vibe. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And then someone in there was like, "Okay, it's Jordan's. And then people were like, how do you think they clean it? Like what? Like what? Like what does he do? Like what's going on? And I thought it was uh, if there was any Reddit chat to go on about me, I, I think I would love I'd be honored if that was it some not so savory ones about me as well, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> I can I can testify to the fact that I didn't see one. Oh, good. Yeah. So you can like you can like feel good about that today. Like, you know, th- there's like one less chaotic thing that you have to deal with. This was such a quarantine project, the apartment that it felt like the right thing. I was like, oh, I'm like having this moment internally where I feel so good about myself. I feel so confident in every decision that I'm making let's just go for it. And then, you know, that you, you have other moments in your life where you're not feeling as confident. So I'm glad I had that moment because now I get to like live in this place that was made by someone in a really good place. Yeah. It's like, you know, your head is literally in the clouds right now. Like, I think that's, that's an amazing, very on brand LA moment for you. (laughs) I've yeah, I'm in LA. I've been here for eight and a half years. Where are you from originally? Um, I've started getting more comfortable admitting this. I used to oh. lie. <laughs> but, <laughs> There's a long um there. <laughs> I was like, is he trying to lie or did he forget? <laughs> no, it's it, it was me deciding if I'm going to lie or not. <laughs> no, it's I'm from Long Island. But of course, you know, when you're like a teen on Long Island and someone from out of state says, where are you from? You say, I'm from New York. Right, right. And then you just like run away before they can ask where. We'll be right back after a quick break. To all of my menstruating listeners, are you guys still using Advil to help with period cramps? Did you guys know that Advil was actually created by a man for a man's body? If you're looking for something a bit more natural and an organic approach to pain relief, I've got just the thing. Meet Enough Period. It's a new CBD-infused body care line 
targeted towards menstrual pain with a focus on high potency that works. Their first product, the Ritual Cycle Support Balm, is a 1,200 milligram full-spectrum CBD balm devoted to minimizing the pain that comes with all of our periods and includes a calming scent of lavender, cedarwood, peppermint, and patchouli. I've used this stuff on my lower back, my period boobs, sore muscles, or anywhere else where you guys might need that extra support. Plus, Enough has a give-back program that directly supports period poverty and cannabis injustice. So they're really here to make each month a little bit easier on all of us. And Enough is offering our listeners 20% off with their first purchase with the code FRIEND so you can develop a new relationship with your period too. Head to Enough Period, that's E-N-U-F-P-E-R-I-O-D.com and use the code FRIEND at checkout. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it is just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. But so now you're in LA. I read that you actually hate LA. Where did you read that? Who said that about me? I must have said it about me. You did say it about you. I'll send you. Oh, damn. I hate when I like don't know my sources, but there was an article that was saying that you didn't love LA and you live over in Echo Park because it's more naturey, which I say all the time and people think I'm crazy. But so I t- totally felt validated by that sentence in whatever magazine it was in. Yeah, I I have like, a complicated relationship with LA. I I need to leave a lot to love it. And I haven't gotten to do that this year. So right now I'm feeling like, fuck LA. But I do right. love it. I mean, I've lived here for so long. It's home. I like how haunted it is. I think it's one of the strangest cities I've ever been to. In and there's way. just like so many weird people. It just doesn't. I think it attracts really ambitious people. And then most of those dreams don't come true. And so it leaves like, oh my God, it leaves like so many people with like weird pathologies about everything. Yes, that is true. I also have a theory about why, why it's so haunted. Okay. Why? Actually, I'd love to hear that. So you they they say that ghosts are like somewhere in between living and dead. They're in this like right. in between zone. And uh they say it's like if you have unfinished business, you become a ghost. And what is LA if not unfinished business? The epicenter. Literally deals. Deals will go a whole <laughs> lifetime and not get closed. I've been in deals for, for years. years. For years in Los Angeles, you're in deals for years. Yes. But it also must be the best place in the world to live for someone who crushes impressions. Like it just must be like inspiration central for some of the like most wild archetypes of all time. Yeah. I mean, definitely characters. And I mean, the the impressions thing is so new to my life. I mean, now it's almost a year old, but like I had a whole nother life before I was like, I never, and and the funny thing is like, I don't do impressions. Right. Like what I'm doing is like taking a character that would be in a script and just, or an idea that would be in a script and just putting it into a one minute video. Like I'm not here doing like 
I don't know why Jer- like Jerry Seinfeld impression. Like I'm right. actually really bad at doing impressions of specific people. So it's really just like the labeling impression of it is almost a joke in and of itself. Right. Because so I'm actually like, not doing an impression. So like how much does it annoy you if someone calls you, says you're doing impressions or like even calls you a comedian to that extent? I mean, it's weird. It's weird. Right. Because it's like from their standpoint, they're not wrong. Like they they met me as an internet comedian and that's right. like what I became this year. But I I I like to see it as like an addition to what I already was and not like a defining thing. But it is fucking crazy that like most people now just think of me as the impressions guy. I'm sure 90% of the people listening right now are here because they are obsessed with your impressions, just like me. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I I'm grateful for it, but it's like it's a double-edged sword, of course, because I want to like I don't want all that work I did from 20 to 28 to be like not acknowledged. Right. But I think like the and like I I'm I'm grateful for this weird freak accident to happen because like it was a freak accident. Like I wasn't trying to be an Instagram person or comedian. And it would like the impressions just came out of like boredom and like desperation, I guess, for a creative outlet during a pandemic. And then they just took on an entire life. And only now, like a year later, am I like, okay, let's like pump the brakes. Let's like see like what just happened. Cause I was writing it for so long. Like you have to just kind of like be in it and like not be judging it. And then now I'm able to like step back a little more, be like, okay, like that was fun. Do I want to continue this? Do I want to go back to what I was doing? Do I want to try to combine them? So that's kind of the phase I'm in right now. But it was an intense fucking year. I mean, it, yeah, like you fully went viral, blew up during quarantine, which probably is such a weird time. Like I, this might sound weird, but like I couldn't imagine what it's like to like be viral, but then like be in your house. Like it's a weird experience. Yeah, it was. And like the celebrity aspect was really weird because like celebrities became obsessed with me because like they were also doing nothing. And like usually <laughs> like celebrities aren't scouring Instagram for like comedians. Right. But like they were all home. So they were all becoming obsessed with me. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And you can't like, I couldn't celebrate it because I wasn't, we were home. Right. It was just like all of this stuff coming at me. And I was just like, okay, cool. Who, who was like, who did you see like watching or comment that you were like, okay, I'm going to go dark now because I, this person's now following me and I can't deal. I would, I don't think I could handle that pressure. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like I got such my, like, the second week I posted, Ariana Grande, like, reposted. And so I was like, okay, that's, like, that was really big. And then she kept reposting for, like, a month. So it, it really, like, came really suddenly. And then after that, like, you'd get a celebrity following and be like, okay, like, whatever. You're like, it's not Ariana, but, like, you're cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but, I mean, like, it's super surreal, especially, like, as a gay guy and as like a previously gay kid, like all of these women I idolized were just like, we love you. I'm like, okay, Reese Witherspoon, like, I love you too, bitch. 
but you know, such is life. You get, you get over it. It gets boring and you're like, what next? Well, I think it's also, it must be a conflicting emotion to be getting this much attention, but have it be for something that you don't want to be like the epicenter of your work. Yeah. Like that probably feels so strange. You're like, okay, hi, Reese Witherspoon, but like, here's Call Your Father. Like, check that out. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's like, I think it's happened for a reason. And it like gave people how I'm seeing, uh, choosing to see it is that like, it is familiarizing people with my language and my cadence and the way that I think about the world. So that when I do like, a big substantial piece, people, the audience, a lot of them will be coming in knowing my point of view already. And so I could actually go deeper with them. Um, it's like train, like the, like the impressions are like almost like training wheels for the yes. audience. Cause I'm like, now they know my humor, they know my sensibility and I can like take them deeper into my soul and like hopefully teach them more or like at least expose them to to like a deeper truth, which is like what I want to be doing. I feel like I've experienced that in my career before where like instead of being called like a journalist or someone that has a podcast, someone's like, oh, she's just an influencer because she has like a social media following. And I'm like, dude, I went to NYU. I study journalism. I write for Forbes. But like, thanks. Yeah. But so I like want to give you the opportunity for listeners who like might be kind of meeting you for the first time to talk about the other work that you're working on right now and like get them invested in that as well. Yeah, I mean, I I would consider myself a filmmaker first um, or, you know, writer director, we'll say, because films are, you know, we don't even know where a film is going. But um, yeah, I've made I've made a bunch of short films. I've written for a bunch of TV shows. I've directed some TV shows. I've I've, you know, been been like comedy scene adjacent because I write for so many comedies. Um, and a lot of my friends are comedians and I have a performance aspect to what I do because I act in my own films. But yeah, I mean, it's been, it was hard for me to get my own thing going, honestly. I was really lucky and like, I'm grateful to have been able to write for shows early in my career. My first show was 24. And so like, those were, those were good years for me to like develop my voice but like i was trying to make substantial work throughout my 20s and like just being told no 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 and you know i kind of i kind of like blamed i i was doing very like outwardly gay stuff and i think there was like a layer of homophobia in all of it like we want to take this chance but it's like the audience is small but now that like this has happened i do think maybe I just wasn't ready to have those opportunities. And like, I did need to, to like cultivate my voice a little more and grow more as an artist. And now that, you know, I have a bigger audience following me, it's seeming like it's easier to get things made, which is nice. Um, We'll see if that actually uh, pans out. But so far, like the, the stuff I'm able to do now is different because there just are more people. And, you know, like when there's money involved, they just need security. You know, I I, I put it so much on like the Hollywood system and the Hollywood execs, but, 
you know, I get what they're going through too. And like, they don't want to get fired and they, they need to know that what they're uh, putting money into will at least like break even and hopefully make the money. They're a business, which has been a hard thing for me to, I guess I'm still not completely over it. Like I'll never understand why art needs to make so much money. Right. Well, I think, I think, I think also like I get you not being over it. Like, I don't think like rejection is something that I think sticks with you for a really long time. And it also, it makes you look inwards. You question why, like I, it was funny listening to you. I was like, wow, he's got such a logical approach to why these people rejected him, but like that's got to burn and like it sticks with you. But I think it probably makes you appreciate where you are now a lot more. And also like arm you with like what you need to know going into those rooms. Like I think a lot of people I'm sure are naive going into these rooms about like what's actually going on on the back end. Yeah. And I think also like the the social media of it all has also given me a, a skill set of like taking myself out of the equation and like learning how an audience is perceiving me instead of like just a pure expression of self, hmm. you know? Because I think I was coming at my work from like, I was just like pouring my soul into it and not really thinking about how it would come across as an audience member. And I think that's a good, that's a good thing for an artist to have too, is like, you can't really think about the audience, but like, because this is a, I'm not a guitar player. I can't just like pick up a guitar. I need $10 million to make what I want to make. So it's like you do, that is like one thing that you do have to think about just like in this particular field. We'll be right back after a quick break. Before you leave the house, you always do that checklist. Phone, keys, wallet, mask. It's time to add one more thing before you walk out the door. Birdie is the newest essential addition to your routine. It's a personal safety alarm designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. Sometimes it's actually really hard to not worry about the what ifs in life, especially when it comes to our safety. So you need a birdie. When you activate your birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. And by purchasing a birdie, you're also giving back. They donate 5% of all profits to its partner organizations that passionately support women's safety, shelter, and health. They donated about $50,000 last year across multiple organizations, like Alexandria House, a transitional residence that provides safe and supportive housing for women and children in the process of moving from emergency shelter to permanent housing. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash friend. Go to she's birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash friend for 15% off your first purchase. That's she's birdie.com slash friend. Do you feel like who you are on Instagram is like who you are in real life? Because like that's what you said in the beginning. You were like, do you think people actually know me? from my Instagram. And I feel like I do. But then again, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm pretty surprised by a lot of what we've talked about. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they know me. Yeah. Like, I I won't lie. Like, I totally thought this was going to go differently. Yeah. I think I think people think I'm like way bubblier and like, but maybe just like joke, joke, joke a minute. But like, I'm a pretty, um, I have thoughts like it's it's all like part of like a bigger picture. You're like, I'm a person with feelings. I'm not just a joke machine. Yeah. And like, I believe I believe in humor and I believe in the power of humor. And I think that like I do have like a natural sense of of humor. 
but I'm also like, you know, I'm really sensitive. I have big ideas. I have specific ideas. Like I'm not, I'm not as like, what it was really surprising to me that I got so big in such like a different like areas of humanity. Cause I've always thought like I'm super, I'm an acquired taste or like I'm not for everyone. And then all of a sudden, like the range of people that were fucking with me was like, I was like, wait, something is wrong. Like I've always been divisive. Like my, my, I, my thoughts of my opinions are divisive a lot of the times, but then I kind of realized that like, they were a lot of people are there for a certain version of me and mm. they a lot of people want banana bread's publicists like that's what they want and it that that i do struggle with because it's like i've grown to really resent banana bread's publicist no yeah really yeah i mean as a viewer i'm upset but like i could un- i could understand that how you're like this thing that made me fin- like famous isn't my identity yeah. Even like in terms of the impressions, like I always like the ones that are a little headier, a little deeper. But then I see the reaction when I do something that's like, I don't even know if I would call it. I don't know how I would describe the humor of what of the Banana Res publicist, but it's like a little more. I think it struck a chord in quarantine for everyone that like everyone, every article out there was about banana bread. So I think that like struck a mutual chord. But in my mind, when I look at any time you post a season, like I think if this gives you any consolation, like looking at that, the success success of that comes from the fact that you're posting so many and there's something for everyone. Yeah. So that's why it's like, so I understand how, but don't you think that this is something that a lot of people have to do in their career? Like, part of it is sacrificing a little bit bit of yourself to kind of get, not get the job done, but like get to where you want to be. Like there's always, as an artist, I feel like that there's always that push and pull of staying true to yourself and giving the people what they want, giving the people what they want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm in a weird place with it all. Like I, I gave, I do feel like I gave the people what they wanted. I do too. Just to give you, just to clear the air on that, guys. (laughs) And I think it came, it did come at a cost. Social media is a weird, it's a weird place to trust people with yourself. Zero trust. Yeah, it's like, you're not a, a real person, like you're on their screen. So it's really easy for people to, you know, turn on you when you don't give them what they want. Or like, I I've been like, noticing like some some guys that will like dm me and like i don't respond just because like i don't and then i'll watch the dms get more and more aggressive until they're like they start being like oh my god i love you biggest crush ever biggest crush ever three months later they're like fuck you you look ugly you look ugly i think like women experience that a lot on the apps too totally but i'm like damn like you were real like you like loved me two months ago and like just me not responding to you has made you hate me. I'm really curious about this because it's something that I think I've been really, and I think as a society, we're really paying attention to right now between like 
the Britney doc, the Meghan Markle interview that came out last week. All of those things are really bringing up this interesting conversation about how far we've gone as a society to be mean to people on the internet. And I almost wonder if we're, I'm hopeful that this moment is a turning point. But as someone with a big platform that's experienced viral fame, like, do you think that that is, do you feel like people are going, that's going to resonate with people? Or do you think we're just like on the hamster wheel for a while? I don't think, I, I actually think that documentary and that interview are the exact same issue. I do too. As what they're talking about. Like our, I think people's obsession with famous people is the issue. And it's like, maybe, yeah, that's turned into like more hatred, but it's the same when it's loving. Like it's the obsession and like doing a documentary about Britney Spears' mental health without her consent is the same thing as paparazzi. Right. It's a good take. Even though we're on her side, ostensibly, we're still obsessing with this thing that we don't have permission from her to do and that she never wa- like I think she's probably more uncomfortable being called mentally ill than she is being called a slut. Yep. I would be. I get that. So I think I think like the real the the bigger issue is that people feel entitled to someone's life because they are famous. And I used to think honestly that that only was exacerbated by social media, like because of the fact that people post all the time, you feel like you have a front row seat at this person's life and you feel like you have the authority to DM them and say, fuck you. Like, that's crazy. But watching the Britney doc, I was just like, oh no, like this has just been something that's been going on for so long. I mean, look, girl, Jesus, like Jesus was the first. Like they were were (laughs) like, we love you. And then we hate you. you. Let's literally kill you. I think twice they tried, right? Maybe three times. I don't know. But it's, it's, I think it's, when I think back, when I think back to the Jesus times, I'm like, oh, wow, maybe this is just a part of life. Like if Hmm. you, and it is a choice, I will say, like being famous is a choice. Yeah. Like you could have at any given point, do you think last year you could have just stopped and been like, okay, I don't want to do it. You, you decided to press go. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then it got intense and, you know, now I'm, you have to be, you just have to be really strong. Like you have to be able to deal with a lot. And so I'm, I'm now kind of gauging how, how strong I am and how much I have in me to deal with. Right. Like. There's a lot of writer directors that don't have to deal with this shit and can just like make make what they want to make and stay out of the spotlight. Do you feel like that's something that is maybe applicable to a few generations above? Do you think that's really something that our generation with social media that people can really get behind though? To for me like and I'll be honest, I almost got off social media like a month ago what like my experience I've gone through so many different phases of it. And like when I wanted to go off, I was like looking at it. I like, I took a break and then I came back and I looked at Instagram and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like it like didn't even register as a thing. And I was like, wait, people are just posting all the time. 
I had that same experience with Twitter once. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got off of it for a week and I came back and I was like, people really just love like word vomit on the daily here. (laughs) It really feels like getting out of a cult. And then like, it is because we are, we won't like admit that we have an actual addiction, like clinically that like, and when you, but it's not, we've been like conditioned to believe it's something we can't live without. Right. So it's or that if we don't participate in it, we're not relevant or even worse. Like you're a bad person if right. you don't like you're you're uh, delusional, like you're or like you're you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, you're not on Instagram. Like, yeah, you're oh. like better that. Oh, you don't want to like listen to all of this. But it's like a machine that is I mean, I, I think about this all the time, but I'm like, we are spending our lives on an app that is run by a person who started their career by comparing women to farm animals. Right. Like that is, he runs the company that we are spending our lives on. And like, that's what it is still. But so what did when you were, you were off for a week, right? I was off for like three weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe two and a half weeks. Yeah. Going from virality, viral life to a complete like, detox what was that like what did you like I feel like people like learn about a lot about themselves during those times like every time I know someone who like detox like got off they're like they come back and they're like wow life-changing experience yeah but the the fucked up thing which is why it is an addiction is that you come back and then the second you get back it's like taking a drink again it's like it all comes floating back and then you're back in it and all the same worries and insecurities they they come out instantly so I'm still like, I don't feel good on there right now, but it's really hard when the system is so set up to make you feel a certain way. I think also something you were saying earlier that was resonating with me and I was like, this sucks that you're saying this right now, was that you feel like a lot of your projects are getting greenlit or are moving forward because of the fact that a network or whatever your partners, whatever it is, can be like, oh, he's got followers. I can, this is something I can rely on. I feel safer, better betting on this. And it's this like toxic circle of like, okay, well, personally, I'm having a really tough time with this app. Like it's destroying me, but it's also the thing that apparently is now going to break, make or break my life. Yeah. I mean, it can definitely feel that way, but I'm still, I'm still unsure of like what my presence on social media is going to be. And I'm fumbling and I'm making mis like internally I'm making mistakes to me. I'm like, I go back and then I go like away from it. And then I go back. It feels like I'm, you know, in this, in this unsure process, um, which is okay. Like I'm like, I'm giving myself permission to like either find a new version of it that works for me or, or take time off whenever I want. Um, and not be beholden to an audience, but it it's hard. But I'm hoping where it leads is to like once my work is, you know, substantiated and out there, I can really have a different relationship to it. Cause I mean, the people that I respect most that do what I'm trying to do are not on it. Right. Like Michaela Cole isn't on it, Phoebe Waller Bridge isn't on it, Donald Glover's not on it. Biggest flexes of all time, honestly. I know, I know. And that's what, like, when I was going to get rid of it, I was like, this would be iconic for me to, like, 
leave my maker in a way. But you have Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. We all do. I think with Instagram, I think we all do. You brought up your work. I want to get into a little a little bit because I'd love to hear about your creative process. I just feel like it is probably based on your house and based on the setting that you're in right now. Like, I feel like your creative process is is wild. So you're a producer on Search Party. I know you've written for, were you a writer on Big Mouth? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're a writer on Big Mouth, which, which by the way, before I even knew about you, before I even met you, I love Big Mouth. Like, I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's a great show. I sit in bed and I watch it and I literally am like, I would sell an organ to be in the writer's room. It is, I will say, it is such a like, pleasant, fun experience. Is everyone just on a ton of shrooms? Because, like, I feel like I'm on shrooms when I watch Big Mouth. So, like, there's got to be some craziness in there. It's weirdly just, like, very positive, like, it's like, like it, it feels so well organized. And like, I, I wrote on the last season, I've only written on it for uh, one season, but I don't know. It just felt good to be there and, and they don't make you feel bad for ideas. Like, you know, it, it just feels like a positive environment. So everyone is just being funny. And like, Nick is just so talented too. And hearing him do all the voices, I'm like, God damn, like you are so good. I mean, I my I think my favorite part about this past season um, in terms of like the marketing was like seeing all those behind the scenes of like him and a character just like going at it. I think it was like one of those things that I just watched over and over and over again. I was always like, I always assumed that like being in the writer's room was like a deeply triggering experience. Like you're talking about like the most like insane moments from like middle school, high school that like you don't want to unearth, but like they become great television. It feels like it feels more like cathartic like there were some days of that room where i'm like oh my god like this is so cool like this is so cool that kids will get to see this and like learn from everyone's experience yeah yeah i get that um but yeah i nerded out on big mouth right now but would love to hear a little bit about your creative process because i know you wear so many hats producing you're acting you're writing there's so much that you're working on right now that it must just be a, a really fun place to be inside your head yeah, I mean, it's so different for everything I do, like, is so torturous for me. Me too, honestly. We're very different kinds of writing, but yes, me too. Yeah, it's really painful. I'm like writing my, the, the project I'm working on, like, most heavily, which I kind of can't talk about, but like, I'm working on a, a project. <laughs> what a tease. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. But it's very, personal and it's I'm like having to relive a lot and it's been like I will like sit there with like my head in my hands just like what the fuck like it it feel I threw up like the other week writing just like for like an emotional release or like anxiety stress yeah like it was like all of it (laughs) all of it I was like reliving i was reliving something and having to slow down a moment into like tiny like thoughts and like like take one really hard moment and like write it out into like words and i was like whoa this is so crazy i mean getting thoughts out of your head onto paper is it's an impossible feat let alone then like making it sound good yeah I'm like, I have this kind of like mantra that I'm 
that I keep saying to myself in the process of writing what I'm writing now is that like as much it it's it's begging to God. Like for me, writing is begging to God. And but it needs equal parts dumb bitch. So I'm like trying to be like equal parts begging to God and dumb bitch. And I think that's like how I would describe my process. Elaborated on, on that a little bit. Like it has to mean everything and nothing at the same time. And it right. has to be the deepest thing that you can imagine, but also like so irrelevant and dumb and like nothing. Right. You have to be able to make fun of the la- the begging to God. Right. Yeah, it has to be self-deprecating. You have to beg still. It has to be self-deprecating, but like relatable, self-deprecating. Yeah, I I kind of like don't love that term. Being relatable. No, self-deprecating. Oh, interesting. I think it's more like being open to the fact that it's all a lie. (laughs) Yes. Being open to the fact that it's all a joke. That like my entire existence is a joke in a way. And all of our existence is a joke. So it's not just about you. Yeah. And it's like also... Yeah, I guess I get I don't know that for some reason that term has always like made me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't want to. I want to be able to like celebrate myself and make fun of myself equally. Right. And take myself seriously, you know, and like sell the that that term has always maybe made me feel uncomfortable because like I want it to be known that like I take living seriously. But you also don't. That for me is the, that's the hardest line to straddle for me all the time. Like, I think especially if you're someone that like works for yourself and you're like promoting yourself and you're promoting overwork, like it's a difficult line to straddle. I never want someone to be like, oh my God, she takes herself so seriously. Yeah. No, you like, can't. I mean, that's a nightmare. It's a literal nightmare. <laughs> it really is. It but really then is. it's like, but don't like think I'm a joke. Right. You know, I look at like so many celebrities and especially musicians and like this like no disrespect like this is kind of just what the game is but it's a lot of like having to keep up this like make that money i'm making that money i'm making that money i'm making that money and it's like it feels like not honest sometimes i'm like it can't i know it's deeper than making than being successful and making money and i think also like if you admit to having complicated feelings about it then it is seen as a weakness. And then I, if you have any weakness shown, then you're not going to get the thing. I mean, I have to say, and like, I don't mean to like gas you up, but like there are not a lot of people that would get on a podcast and would be as honest and vulnerable about the difficulties that you faced in the past year while having a like pretty monumental, awesome year. That's just a testament to you being pretty truthful to what you're talking right now about right now, which is like not wanting to give into that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my tea. Like, I'm always honest, and I think it was... And that's why, like, when when my thing was working, and, like, if you read my interviews from, like, you know, when it was happening, I was, like, preaching a different preach. <laughs> like, they were different. Like, and but they were honest. Totally. Like, I was honestly in a very positive headspace. That's what I was giving, and that's why people were starving for it, because, like, I had a genuine positivity... I still have an inherent positivity inside of me. I'm just going through more of a nuanced time. 
but I'm always, that's, that's the thing that's also scary to me about being on social media right now is that I can't not give what I'm giving. Like that, right. the thing about me is like, I'm always, you can see it in my face. You can like tell in the words that I speak, I can't give what I'm not feeling. And so I don't want to come back until I'm in a perceived good headspace, but that's kind of fucked up too, because then it's like, so I'm just going to be fighting to get to this good headspace and not allowing myself to like be in a shitty moment for the rest of my life. Like, no, I have to be able to experience life as it comes with me. And like, if this is going to be a extension of my life, I have to be able to be honest on there too, or it's not going to work. I'm trusting what I'm going through is part of something yeah. bigger. This wasn't going to come easy. Also dumb bitch, dumb bitch energy too. Dumb bitch energy. It means everything and it also means nothing. That's the biggest takeaway from this episode. For people listening that want to be in entertainment like you, um, and especially like as a multi-hyphenate in entertainment, entertainment, I feel like that's such an annoying word, but here we are. What is your best piece of advice? I feel like you've given so much, but you know, looking back on the past year and especially like with all the work that you've done, what's a tip that you have for somebody that is aspiring to follow in the same path you have? Hmm. Cultivate, cultivate your voice, make as much of your own thing as possible. Like I only think that my writer's room experience was beneficial because I had made four short films that were my own and like went to film festivals and did the whole thing. Like I established my voice for making from making stuff for no money and then got to like get my foot in the industry. And I think that has helped me. I see some writers that really just like took the traditional route of like PA to assistant to writer's assistant to staff writer. And I think that's maybe a like if you're looking to to view it as like a job, that's one way to do it. But if you want to like ultimately be a creator and a creative force, like definitely be cultivating your own voice um, either before or during the process. I love that. I'm going to close out with a couple lightning round questions. Let me know whatever comes to mind. Okay. Um, who's making you laugh right now? Oh, my God. Uh, I'll say Meg Stalter always, but there's this guy on TikTok that I can't remember his name. But I posted You posted him, him today. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love him so much. I was dying. I'll try to find it and like post it on Instagram when we post this episode. What is something in pop culture that you've seen recently and you can't stop thinking about it? Or like you've thought about it every day? Oh, my God. Oh my God. I I can't stop thinking about the fact that I liked WandaVision. Well, same. I hate I'm like, wait, I'm not supposed to like this. Me too. I binged it in a day. I watched all nine episodes in a day. I'm like, me, Marvel? Whoa. I know. I know. Whoa. But I'm like, kudos, well done for making me love Marvel. Same. Something that I can't stop thinking about, the Lady Gaga Adam Driver Gucci photos. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just me? Am, am I getting weird? Like, is has Lady Gaga like pigeonholed herself into this moment of like anytime I see her now in a movie with a significant other, I'm like, are you guys gonna fall in love? Is this steamy? Is this hot? Like, I have like stars born PTSD. Oh, interesting. I I'm getting diff. I get different vibes from her energy in the picture. I mean, I get like like I'm getting amazing vibes. That's why I can't stop thinking about it. She's giving fabulous and guarded. Totally. Yeah. Which she's not giving vulnerable open stars born. She's giving like I'm okay. successful and have my some walls up. 
And I'm Italian. And yeah, I'm, and I'm Italian. Really great. Yeah, I'm right. Italian. Like, so. have you seen the video of her saying I'm Italian for? Of course. Of course, she says it and everything. I'm Italian. I'm Italian. Italian girl from New York, New Jersey. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Let me. I should have prefaced the fact that I'm seeing those photos. And yes, I'm like gagging. It's amazing. But also, I have like weird PTSD in my brain sometimes. What is the weirdest dream you've had lately? Oh, you know, I've been having a lot of. This isn't weird. It's just kind of like obviously symbolic. But I've been having a lot of tidal wave dreams. Like waves? Like huge fucking waves like <laughs> that are about to d- destroy. Jordan. <laughs> oh my God. Like I'm sitting in an outdoor restaurant on a pier and all it's of a sudden a, there's just like. Like Inception style. Like it's like it's coming. Wow. Okay. I hope those change for you. Yeah. It's a weird because I'm not scared in the dreams. I'm just oh, like, you're just like Whoa. Whoa. tidal wave. <laughs> It's God and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again. Like awesome. Wait, wait, cool. Here I go. Let's do it. <laughs> Jordan, it was like such a pleasure to meet you and get to know you today. And like really I'm sorry, get I didn't to go know too, you. Uh, too dark. No, honestly, like this was this was really refreshing. Not what I expected in all of the best ways. Hopefully see you around LA when uh, yes. COVID yes. is dissipating. Haunted together. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.